0: Thank you for tuning in to the Hope Community Church Podcast. We're so glad you're here. Hey, and welcome to the Beautiful Gospel Series. I'm so glad that you tuned in. We have been talking over the last few episodes about the difference between starting the story of humanity at depravity or starting the story of humanity with being made in the image of God and being declared good. And that if you start humanity at depravity, that leads us to slavery. But if we start things at Father's creation and it being good, and then seeing the fall as a darkness or a wounding that happened to humanity, that leads us to humanity being God's wounded children. And that's what the Son came to heal. He came to heal all humanity. Not just some, but all. He died for all. He came to save all. Not some, but all. And that Christ is the elect. Not people, but Christ is. He's the elect, and humanity finds their election or their chosenness in the elected one. In Jesus. They find their Christ conscious. They see who he is. They see who they are intended to be, which is a mirror reflection of Jesus. And in that, they find who the Father really is, and that is love. So once again, if we start at depravity, our view of the Father and humanity is skewed. It's also very shrewd, which brings us to what we're going to talk about today, and that is exhaustive reconciliation, the E of the Wheat acronym. So depravity causes us to separate humanity into the elect and the non-elect. That Christ only died for a few, or that only a few would ever take advantage of what Christ accomplished on the cross. This thought is called limited atonement, and that focuses on something called penal substitution, that God punished Jesus for the sins of the elect. There have been a ton of books written about this, okay? But here's what I'm gonna do I, I wanna see things from the perspective that Jesus brings through the Father. And I'm going to look at two main points, okay? I want to look at atonement based on the image of God revealed through Jesus, okay? The word atonement has been made into this big, huge, impossible word, and there's been thousands of books written about this, okay? But the early church saw things simple and organic, and they saw atonement as something simple. As a matter of fact, I don't think that word was even around until later on in the history of the church, but the idea of atonement to the other church was simply simply relationship or at a at one meant, the place of togetherness. So in this case, it's togetherness with the Father. Atonement in the beginnings of the early church really had nothing to do with some big, huge legal terminology, which is what we made it out today. There was no talk of that sort of thing. There was no talk of any type of transaction. Um, to establish any type of relationship. And that's why instead of using the term atonement, uh, we are going to use the term exhaustive reconciliation because that paints a better picture as to what is actually happening. Exhaustive, in a sense, is full comprehension, the fullness of what Christ did, reconciliation being reunion or a return to a relationship. Um, Throughout the New Testament, one of the most important themes is God's forgiveness of sins. Ephesians 1, 7 through 8 says, since we are fully represented in him, his blood is the ransom that secures our redemption. His forgiving of sins measures the wealth of his grace. This grace shown towards us communicates a wisdom and discernment of our worth." That completely surpasses the definition. If we go to Colossians. Colossians chapter 1. Starting with verse 13. It says, He rescued us from the dominion of darkness and relocated us into the kingdom where the love of his son rules. Period. (laughs) In God's mind, mankind is associated in Christ. In His blood sacrifice, we were ransomed. Our redemption was secure. Our sins were completely done away with. So, if you start with depravity, that leads to a legal, uh, a legal definition of what atonement is, and you see God, who was unable to simply just forgive sins and this paradigm god's justice cannot just let sin go it can't just let it go unpunished so the only way he can forgive sins is to punish someone to punish jesus in her place but that's not is that really forgiveness there are no strings with forgiveness if we're really going to f- forgive something so if there are strings then what we're talking about here is a conditional forgiveness. To forgive someone is to release them from burden. So if you release from your burden, then there is, an, there is no need for payment. So once again, we get a clear picture of God through Jesus and what he said and what he did to show us that his forgiveness isn't conditional. He just truly forgives. Let's turn to Luke 5 real quick. In Luke chapter 5, starting with verse 17, it says, One day many Jewish religious leaders, known as Pharisees, along with many religious scholars, came from every village of Galilee throughout Judea, and even from Jerusalem, to, bear, to hear Jesus teach. And the power of the Lord God surged through him to instantly heal. Some men came to Jesus carrying a pair of a par- a paralegic man on a stretcher. And they attempted to bring him in past the crowd and set him down in front of Jesus. But because there was no, because there were so many people crowding the door, they had no way to bring him inside. So they crawled onto a roof and dug their way through the roof tiles and lowered the man stretcher and all into the middle of the crowd, right in front of Jesus. Seeing the demonstration of their faith, Jesus said to the paraplegic, my friend, your sins are forgiven. The Jewish leaders and the religious scholars whispered objections among themselves. Who does this man think he is to speak such blasphemy? Only God can forgive. Does he think he is God? Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said to them, Why do you argue in your hearts over what I do and think? That is blasphemy for me to say his sins are forgiven. Let me ask you, which is easier to prove when I say your sins are forgiven or when I say stand up, carry your stretcher, and walk? Jesus turned to the, para, the paraplegic the man in sin to prove to you all that I to prove to you all that I am the Son of Man, have the lawful authority on earth to forgive sins, I say to you now, stand up, carry your stretcher and go home for you are healed. And in an instant the man rose right before their eyes and he stood, picked up his stretcher and went home, giving God all the glory and every step he took. So here's here's a picture in in Luke, where Jesus is looking at this paraplegic, and no conditions, nothing set out front, nothing that the paraplegic said. He simply said, "Your sins forgiven." We read later on in uh, Luke chapter seven. We read the story of um, the woman who came and. Wash Jesus' feet. Once again, he looks at the woman and says, all your sins are forgiven. In Luke 23, on the cross, he says, Father, forgive them, for they, they know not what they're doing. Jesus taught his disciples to forgive those who hurt them up to 70 times 7. That's Matthew 18. There was no preconditions. There was, there was nothing that the person had to do to get that forgiveness from them. Jesus just said to forgive them. So did he mean that his disciples should only forgive the people that offer payment or only forgive the people that treat them nice or don't forgive the people that, that, that maybe, uh, ask for it? No, it's absurd. All right. So why do we put that absurdity on God? Jesus shows us that he truly forgives sins, which means that he does not demand payment for them. It's the true definition of agape. It's the true definition of sacrificial love. He asks nothing in return for his forgiveness. Jesus' death on the cross was a crime that we committed, that was demanded by the law, the broken system that replaced Father and Father's relationship for religion. It was religion that demanded a sacrifice, not God. That was not Father's punishment. Because if it was punishment, then that means that God cannot fully accept us until Jesus bore all the punishment for our sins. In other words... God had to be reconciled to us. But the New Testament teaches differently, right? 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Turn there real quick if you can. 2 Corinthians 5, starting at verse 17, it says, Now, in the light of your co-inclusion in his death and resurrection, whoever you you thought you were before in Christ, you are a brand new person. The old ways of seeing yourself and everyone else are over, so acquaint yourself with the new. The idea of mankind's co-inclusion in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ is entirely God's doing to now realize that God has indeed brought final closure to the old and for us to see everything and everyone in this new light is simply to see what God has always known to be true about us in Christ. We are not debating human experience, opinion, or their contribution. This is exactly what God believes. In Jesus Christ, God exchanged equivalent value to redeem us to himself. He went to the highest extreme in this act of reconciliation to persuade us of our original worth. This God has given us the mandate of our ministry. Our ministry declares that Jesus did not act independently of his father. God was present in Christ when he reconciled the total cosmos to himself. Deity and humanity embraced in him. The fallen state of mankind was deleted. Their trespasses were no longer count against them. He now announces his friendship with every individual from within us. He reconciles the world to himself. He doesn't reconcile himself to the world. He reconciles the world to him. And he does not count their trespasses against them. If he's not counting them against us, then who is the one that's counting these transgressions? The accuser is. Who's the accuser? The law. Religion. Right? Colossians 1. Colossians 1, starting with verse 19. This is the full measure of everything God has in mind for mankind and dwells in him. He initiated the reconciliation of all things to himself. Through the blood of the cross, God restored the original harmony. His reign of peace now extends to every visible thing upon the earth, as well as those invisible things which are in the the heavenly realm, he brought everything back to him to its original intent. Once again, it's not him to us, it's us to him. The best picture of reconciliation is the parable of the dancing father, okay? That's Luke 15, 11 through 32. At no point does the father distance himself from the son, nor does he ever think of being repaid for how his son had quote-unquote wronged him. He goes the opposite way, and when he sees his son returning, he throws a party, and he runs out to meet him. Think about that. The father is not uh, okay with only 50% of his family. He wants the whole, and so when he sees the other 50%, the other son coming home, he holds nothing against the son but opens his arm and throws a fat party, like a banger, right? That's what they call happening parties, Um this is the story of humanity returning home. The father is throwing a party. He's not throwing a um, a judgment fit. He's not looking to strike people down. He's not looking to hold things against folks. He's throwing a party, and the father will do everything possible to reconcile all of us to himself. That is the beautiful gospel. Will. Every single human being, will everyone accept God's reconciliation? Why wouldn't that be our hope? Why shouldn't that be what our hearts long for, that everyone will be saved? Why is that so far out there? Is God not the God of the impossible? And here's the question, why wouldn't it be? Why would we only want a few folks to receive the good news? Why would we only want a few folks to make it to heaven? It's God's heart that all come to repentance. Turn to 2nd Peter chapter 3. 2nd Peter chapter 3. Just went right by it. Sorry about that. 2nd Peter chapter 3 verse 9. This means that contrary to a man's perspective, the Lord is not late with his promise to return as some measure lateness, but rather his delay simply reveals his loving patience towards you because he does not want any to perish, but all come to repentance. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1. Most of all, I'm writing to encourage you to pray with gratitude to God. Pray for all men with all forms of prayers and requests as you intercede with intense passion and pray for every political leader and representative so that we would be able to live tranquil and undisturbed lives as we worship the all inspiring God with pure hearts. It is pleasing to our Savior God to pray for them. He longs for everyone to embrace his life and return to the full knowledge of the truth. For God is one and there is one mediator between God and the sons of men. And Uh, the true man, Jesus, the anointed one. He gave himself as a ransom payment for some, no. For just a few, no. For everyone. And now is the proper time for God to give the world this witness. Once again, when we shift our focus from depravity that there is no goodness in man, that they are totally depraved. When we shift it from that and see that in the beginning of beginnings, God said that he created man in his image and he declared it good, that in all humanity, there is this innate goodness that the Holy Spirit is drawing to the goodness of God to where they can become enlightened and they can see this goodness and see who they were intended to be and quote unquote, repent or have their, their their mind is renewed by the word by Jesus to where they see who they actually are when this happens when we see things from father's goodness and not depravity we begin to see the real good news that is for all we see the exhaustive reconciliation that is bringing in the full view of the father Hey, thank you for tuning in. Uh, if you wouldn't mind, check out our webpage. It's wearehopecommunity.com. Peruse some of the things that we got going on there. There's a blog, some more media. Um, there's a place to give if you would like to, um, You can check out some other services that we have got. Um, But more importantly, we'd love to hear from you. And there's a place where you can just write a question, shoot us an email, whatever. We'd love to hear from you. You can also check out our Facebook page and our Instagram. Uh, You can connect connect with us through those as well. But thank you so much for tuning in today. And remember that you are valuable beyond measure.